Hey guys, this is Evan with the Lucky 10,000. Bet you thought you'd never hear that again. Bringing you a podcast that gets you luckier than a defunct podcast who starts making new episodes over a year after it's supposedly finished. And I just wanted to set up this episode real quick because uh, what has happened is, um, if you guys don't know, if you listen to this show at all and you didn't listen to my other podcast, the Bearded Ones podcast, shame on you. But we've been talking for a while on the Bearded Ones about the fact that uh, the Lucky 10,000 had died for a little while um my co-host carissa uh, had some things come up in her life that wouldn't allow her the time or the effort it took to to really pour herself into it and give it a complete hundred percent commitment so we just sort of let it go and a few months ago i started thinking you know what i miss that podcast i would like to do that podcast again but i understand what a time commitment it can be so what we ended up doing with carissa's blessing by the way is uh the next episode you hear of the Lucky 10,000 is going to be the start of the brand new version of the Lucky 10,000, where we're doing seasons. Uh, we will be doing a 10-episode season about astrophysics, and my new co-host will be my good friend and awesome person, Emily Grove, and I've known her for a few years. Um, she was the first person I thought of asking to do a podcast with me once I realized that I wanted to do this again. But what this episode is, so since this new season will technically be the first time we have that sort of parameter around it, I decided, you know what, let's just call that season two. And Everything from Lucky 10,000 you've heard up to this point is season one. It's almost like uh, the opposite of The Walking Dead, where the first season was like six episodes, and then the second season was like 20-something episodes. This is the exact opposite of that, and hopefully it will have the exact opposite effect. But um, as a send-off... As a bittersweet goodbye, um, what I have done is I have assembled some of my favorite clips, not all of them, because there were 44 episodes of The Lucky 10,000, and I don't know if you could handle listening to this for three, four hours, but um, I have just a few uh, with a couple clips actually submitted by Carissa herself of some of my favorite moments over the course of the show, basically centered around mostly Carissa. Um, I just wanted to really give her a shout out for even doing the podcast because she didn't want to do it at first. And so um, we had a great time while we did it. It was great for me to reconnect with someone that I'd known for so long but hadn't really gotten a chance to talk to very often. And she's one of my favorite people in the world. I miss her dearly, but it's time to move on. And so we cobbled together these bits from the episodes um, just to sort of showcase what I think is her, her wit, her, her, her opinionated nature, her intelligent nature, her soft side, uh, just everything that, that made her a great friend and a great co-host for a podcast. So we hope you enjoy. This first segment will be from the episode we did called Getting to Know You. It was just a little section where if you've never heard the show before uh, and you want to go back and listen to old episodes, listen to this and go, hey, I like those people. I want to hear more of them. Or I hate those fuckers. And I want to listen to their shows like so I can tell them how awful they are. Don't really care. Either one's fine. A lesson is a lesson. So we hope you enjoy it. And we hope that you are just as excited about the new future of the show as I am. Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. 
being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner in this test. Okay. Can it uh, only have to be one thing, though? Uh, Share a total of five items, it suggests. Oh, okay. We'll start with the outside shallow stuff and go further in. You're very attractive. Aw. You, even in our worst moments, have always supported me. You're very intelligent. You think I'm hilarious. That's because you're hilarious. (laughs) And the fifth one... I mean, there are so many things. I mean, there really are. How could you ever pick among oh, my list of outstanding so qualities? difficult. I almost said something so stupid and shallow, but I'm not going to. I want to know now. I was going to say how good you are with tech because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not good enough for top five. I like the fact, even when I don't like the fact, that you don't have a problem in honestly saying what your opinion is. Okay. It's like what you said before. I don't always agree with it. And there have been times as are in all friendships, that it's actually made me angry. Not like yep. furious. I understand. Yeah. But I would rather have that. I would much rather have that. Someone who just gives it to you straight? Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking me. <laughs> so, and, but also, like, not even just gives it to me straight, but, like, if they disagree with me about something, I like the fact that I know what your opinion is. Okay. Pretty much all the time. I'm I'm actually very gratified to hear that because I, I try to do that, to be yeah. a pretty straight shooter. Yeah. Without being obnoxious, usually. I mean, there are those people they are like, I'll tell you like it is. And then they tell you like it is all the time yeah. just because they think that I'm telling it like it is. And it's like, no, you're being an ass. Yeah. But like if someone asks you your opinion, you have every right to go, this is my opinion. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to be an asshole. But you, you, don't, you can just be like, this is really what my opinion is. Yeah. And I like that about you. Well, then that's what I'll lead off with my for my first of my five positive characteristics about you. Let me get ready. That you take honest criticism for what it is i try to i mean for me at least because like you said i don't i don't just like put myself in your life like here's what i think you should do right you didn't ask it's not relevant i'm just gonna (laughs) tell you what to do because i know better but if there's something i think i can help you with or something that you need advice on Mm -hmm. or help with i am happy to give that to you and i try to be very honest very earnest very straightforward with everyone Mm -hmm. but like, honesty is not something that a lot of people actually want to hear. No, it's not. They say they do, but they don't. So that's why that's why it's important to me, because I am an actor, and one of my pet peeves is, because I've done this before too, but I know so many actors, that they'll, you'll see them in something, and like, what did you think? And you know if you tell them the truth. Yeah. If it wasn't something that you liked, if for some reason you didn't necessarily dig it or whatever, you can't tell them that. You yeah. just can't. Because immediately... They'll either be crushed, which, you know, disappointment at someone not liking something you did, I completely understand. I think that's valid. Yeah, totally. But then dramatic people take it to a whole other level, and I've always tried to fight against that. If someone says something negative about something that I've done, I let myself be disappointed by it, especially if I respect that person's opinion. But then I go, A, that's just that person's opinion, and B... If they're right, then maybe that's just something I should work on in the future. Yeah, and I mean, it's the difference between that sucked and here is a point of constructive criticism that I can actually work on. Right. I like the fact that you take that. And despite all of your, you know, second guessing of what other people think or say or do around you, at least with me, you've always been really open. Well, maybe that's because I didn't feel like I have to second guess what you're thinking. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't like it when people second guess me, so I tried yeah. to make it not necessary. Yeah. Like, if you want to know, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. 
So I like that about you, that you're able to take constructive criticism exactly as it's intended and not take it personally from me. Right. Like it, you can be angry at my opinion or whatever, sure. but you still love and respect me yes. for being a, a part of your life that's good enough to tell you what my opinion about yeah. it is. So that's the first thing. I like your eyes. Oh, thank you. I always have. They're big and blue and have long, luscious lashes and they're lovely. I'm fluttering them. You can't hear that. But I'm fluttering them. It's true. He is. I I love the fact that you're hilarious. Oh, thank you. You've you guys have no idea how funny Evan is, even though he's on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you've been listening to this podcast for months. You got you no idea how funny. No idea. Like when he's not like on this podcast, he's, he's hilarious. I like I like that you make conversations easy. Oh, uh, I am a good talker. We were recording a podcast, just whatever the first one was that when I came over here and we were yeah. talking about aliens. Yeah. I came over here thinking, I'm not going to have all that much to contribute yeah. to say, and it might end up, I might end up sounding really boring, but you were able to draw out what I think was a really interesting, entertaining, sometimes educational conversation oh, from the depths of my mind that even I didn't think I could provide. Yeah. You're I, good at that. I like to talk, <laughs> and I like to hear what other people have to say. And casual conversation sometimes, I dominate the conversation sure. without trying to. I always want to put in, well, this happened to me. That thing you just said that I only heard the first half of because I was thinking of what I was going to say <laughs> reminds me of something that happened to me. Oh, you're not done yet? I don't care. This happened to me. <laughs> but when you are engaging, yes, you are very engaging. You're good at drawing out conversation from people. I see why you're a good improv Oh, thank you. Person, because you're able to draw that out from the people around you. Yeah, you guys got to see a show. I did. For one. Uh, was that four or was that five? Was it? Oh, I thought it was three. What did I say about you? You're good at taking constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. You have nice eyes. You're mm -hmm. hilarious. You're mm -hmm. a good conversationalist. That was yes. four. Now I'm running into the same problem you were. I have a whole list of things I could say. Oh, just pick them. Now I've got to pick one. Just pick the one that highlights my ass. You've got a great ass. No. I'll take it. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Damn it. I'm not not saying that, but that's not the one I'm going with. I like that you're in your mid-30s. You've got a daughter. You've got a life that you've built up, and you are now open to self-discovery still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are so many people, so many people who get to 30, 35, and are just done growing. Yeah. They're just done. They don't explore. They don't question. They don't look. They don't think. They don't become more than what they were mm -hmm. when they hit 30. And you don't. I think another way of saying that is emotional immaturity. Not at all. I'm doing now what most people did 15 years ago. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Because you've done self-discovery and self-exploration before in your life. This isn't the first time this has ever happened to you. A lot of self-exploration. Yeah. I mean, a ton yeah. of self-exploration. <laughs> Usually right before I go to sleep. <laughs> Other than that. Yeah. And... Most people do that when sure. they're young. But by the time they have a kid and a job mm -hmm. and a life, they kind of just stop. Yeah. They stop growing. They are the people they're going to be. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad. Right. And you just didn't. You're like, this Aww. is the person I am now, but who can I be tomorrow? Right. Who am I supposed to be next year? Well, if I were to say that there's something about me that is kind of both a negative and a positive, is that I have some pretty glaring flaws. But I think I'm realistic enough with myself to know what they are. And even if I fail, which I do a lot, constantly try and fix them. Yeah. And they win plenty of times. I find that incredibly admirable about you in particular, because especially because this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but especially because you are kind of a ball of neuroses <laughs> most of the time. But you are still an earnest, real person who 
believes that there's more to you. I, I try to be, like, after years of trying to sort of be what I think I thought people wanted me to be, I think in the last 10 years, I've just said, oh, this is me. Yeah. And I still don't know everything about me yet or know what I have the power to change, but this is who I am. And I don't have to put on airs that it's anything else. Yeah. And I think that's great. Well, thank you. I think that's great about you. Thank you. Yeah. EA's gotten a lot of shit in the past few years. And they deserve every ounce of it and well twice as much games. again. Boo. I'm glad we're onto this, though. Now you can get opinionated about video games. So, <laughs> Carissa, you're more of a gamer than I am because you're way more up to date than I am. Like, I am okay. completely content to wait for years to get a new game or a game system. I look at a game online and I'm like, ooh, $10? Mm, that's a little pricey. We'll wait till that comes down a little bit more. Ooh, that video game system's just went down to 100 bucks. Mm, I'll wait till it goes down to 20 So I'm just mm-hmm. discovering games. Like, I'll send you emails. Where I'm like, have you heard of this Super Mario Brothers game? <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's good. It's a good I'm one. A, I'm familiar. Yeah. Have fun with that. Mm-hmm. So you're a big wower. Not uh, not anymore, really? but I was, and I'm still a wow supporter. <laughs> you're a wow supporter. Well, he makes it sound like an undergarment. Yes, I I am a wow supporter. It lifts and separates. <laughs> because now Electronic Arts owns, I believe, owns the rights to the name Alpha Centauri. They own that franchise. Does that worry Such you? As, uh, no, because fuck them. Um. Just as a side note, I hate EA, and I don't really care how much fanboy hate if EA even <laughs> has fanboys anymore. I get for that. EA sucks. It's a terrible company. It is worse than Comcast. <laughs> they have fanboys for their Madden games. Um, actually, we can just talk about Battlefront now. Okay, good. I am not all that excited about Battlefront, actually. Um, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Let me take it back. I really hate the fact that there's a battlefront coming out why it's made by ea we have touched on why i don't like ea yes but the preview trailer looked awesome yeah the trailers always look awesome because ea sucks donkey balls well and this is interesting because i've just been talking i've just i pulled up an article that said the 10 greatest disasters in video gaming history number eight on the list is the Sim City launch. Oh God, yes. And I mean, th- not just for Sim City. We're talking. They also had. Um, they required anybody reviewing game to come to the EA offices mm-hmm. uh, and write very misleading reviews about the game, which is horribly unethical. Yeah. And really shitty. And seriously, launch the. Not just launch day. Most people expect on a launch day for any online connected game, it's going to be a little shitty. I love how passionate you are about this. I could use <laughs> expletives. Okay. Uh, so we all fucking understand. Yeah, there you uh, go. Fucking launch day. It's going to be fucking shitty. Yeah. We fucking get it. Um, but it was it was worse than bad. Like, you could not have predicted. Uh, we probably could have predicted, but unbelievable how impossible it was to get access so to the game that you, you paid couldn't for. say the word unbelievable you're so full of ire <laughs> unbelievable well there's the saying that there are no girls on the internet mm-hmm. and half of that saying is positive like it it's basically just that it is gender neutral or gender irrelevant 
Mm -hmm. that no one needs to be looked down upon or up to for a gender because you literally can't know. Right. There are, there are no girls. And I mean, like it or not, and that's this will be a totally different discussion, but male is the gender neutral pronoun that we use in writing and speech. Sure. It's just part of our language. So the gender neutral is still male. Right. For me, for me, I'm fine with that. I don't I don't have any problem with that, so it doesn't bother me at all. So the there are no girls on the internet thing, part of that is just that it doesn't matter. Your your sex or gender are not relevant. Right. In terms of how we view that. what you're saying. <laughs> and some half of that is uh there are no girls on the internet. Right. So if you say that you are a girl, you're either met with complete disbelief because there are no girls on the internet or the much more stereotypical for a reason reaction of, oh, it's a girl. We have to, to like do stuff and get all socially awkward and right. not know what to say and do stupid things and act like weird appropriations of gentlemanly behavior. What was your earliest memory of your reaction to insects and spiders and such? It's actually one of my mom's favorite stories to tell about oh me. <laughs> <laughs> we were camping in the, I believe it was the Redwood Forest in California. I'm assuming at this point your parents did not know you had this phobia. Well, or and camping when you're little, would be very cruel on their part. <laughs> we went camping all the time when I was a kid. And I love camping. But, mm. we, I mean, off was a thing. When I was a kid already. Yeah. So we had plenty honey, of bugs. Honey, we're getting ready to go. Did you bring your hazmat suit? Yeah. <sighs> but we were having a picnic or something under one of the trees in the Redwood Forest. And a bee came by, as bees are wont to do. Sure. And it didn't land on me. It didn't try to sting anybody. It was just near the table. Yes. And I, I, I was, what, four or five, I think. Mm -hmm. I, really little. And I only kind of vaguely remember this. Mostly, I think, because my mom refuses to not tell the story. <laughs> and I jumped up from the table and started running around the little picnic area, screaming, a bee, 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 like I wouldn't stop. Wow. I was just panic stricken over this bee who just happened to be nearby because we were having a picnic. Right. That's not far off from my reaction still, and I'm nearly 40 years old. Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> yep. It is... Fond memories of that movie. Yeah, I was going to say quite possibly, but it's not possible. It is literally the most ridiculous blockbuster disaster movie ever made. Oh, sure. So here I'm going to rapid fire these because it's... I could go on, but I will just leave it to the like dozen or so I have. So first, the science of the whole premise is patently ridiculous. Geneticists simply don't do the things that they're doing at all. Like they're trying to take this gland and make it do something else and make it bigger and better and stronger with blackjack and hookers or whatever. And that's not what geneticists do at all in any part. And so the whole premise hinges on what these geneticists are trying to do with these disease-free sharks, which by the way, sharks not disease-free. And <laughs> that's not a thing at all. So you're false from the get-go and you're hinging your entire movie on this premise, which is patently retarded. Okay, moving on. They're in the lab with the little shark mm -hmm. and it bites off the dude's arm. Yeah. He flails and he bites off the dude's arm. Sharks could totally do that, but it is so, the man's arm is so clearly tucked into his shirt. Oh my God, yes. It is 
like a six-year-old could fake it better. Yeah. So bad. Because you can see his forearm by his stomach lifting his elbow under his shirt. Isn't that part of the Sharknado philosophy, too, that a shark just wants to eat all the time, regardless of the circumstance that it finds itself in? Whereas, you know, part of the problem with Sharknado, obviously Sharknado is not meant to be taken seriously at all. Right. But part of the problem with the logic of that movie, if you apply logic to it, is that these sharks are being thrown around by a tornado landing everywhere and yet they still want to eat people wouldn't they be going what the fuck is happening to me i'm not in water anymore wasn't that kind of the problem with that scene as well that the shark would be flailing and trying to get back in the water or trying to save itself because it's suffocating but still no i'll bite this guy's arm too. well no i mean they had it in a small tank with water on its gills oh, did the they? water was moving yeah i could have sworn it was out of the water no, no. well my I mean... bad then i'm sorry to question the logic of deep blue sea <laughs> Wait, that at least, least that right that at least was not patently foolish they did have it in a small tank they were running water over its gills and stuff okay but it wakes up from its brain surgery and then bites the dude's arm off and it's under his shirt but later because they have to bring in a helicopter to transport him out to get medical care even though they are a fully functional genetics lab right with a doctor on staff they have to fly him out to get him medical care, whatever. Of course they do. But then it's only half bitten off. It's like just above the elbow. Right. Even though when he got it bitten off, it was at the shoulder under his shirt. Right. <laughs> so at the beginning, they have this uh, 13-foot tiger shark in a sling. Mm-hmm. And this is really just because I know anything at all about sharks. It is the exact same Mako shark robot that they use for the rest of it, just with some stripes on it. Right. They just painted the same fucking robot. Tiger sharks and Mako sharks look nothing alike at all. And yet they just use the same one. Like, it's a shark. Everybody will think it's a shark. No, asshole. Tiger sharks' noses are completely different. Mako sharks are much more... Oh, my God. Whatever. So these are kind of in no particular order. So I'm going to jump around the movie a little bit. Mm -hmm. At one point when the shark is in the undersea lab, LL Cool J is trying to get away from the shark. And he, yeah. he climbs into the double oven. Yeah. And then realizes he has to climb to the other part of the double oven. And he just like pushes through the barrier wall between the two ovens. It's apparently just like a sheet of tin foil that separates the two <laughs> parts of the oven, which is totally not how ovens work. Like it's right. made of steel or whatever sort of alloy that oven is made of. Not like a piece of tin foil you can just push open and move aside. Okay, so after the shark bites the dude's arm off and he is being transported in the helicopter and then the shark does something to cut the wire that the gurney is on because the wind is rising so they can't actually put him on the helicopter. Well, they're smart sharks. He had shears. Yeah, right. So they're going to have to fly him. A man in so dire need of emergency medical care that they couldn't take care of it in the genetics lab with the doctor on staff. They have to fly him to a hospital on land through all this wind and storm and stuff just on a gurney on a rope under a helicopter in a storm. Right. The shark jumps up and grabs the gurney or cuts the wire or whatever and the gurney falls in the water and the shark grabs the gurney in its mouth. The shark grabs a gurney which holds a fully grown adult male in its mouth. I remember this very clear. I remember the image of the guy being slammed against the glass and okay. still being alive somehow. So the gurney is in this shark's mouth, which first of all, no, it's fucking not. 
Second of all, because now the shark has to have his mouth has to open and be able to hold something uh, three feet wide. Yeah. Give or take. That's a huge ass fucking shark. And in that part of the movie, it's a huge ass fucking shark. It's got to be 40 feet long. And here we get to the Godzilla equation. The 15 feet wide. I mean, it's huge. So it's got this gurney in its mouth and then it swims at the lab window and throws the gurney underwater, underwater. Right. He has pulled the gurney underwater and the dude on the gurney, not drowning or dying of blood loss, is screaming on his way as the shark throws the gurney at the lab window. Yeah. From like 30 feet away, there is literally no way it maintained any of its inertial momentum and slams into the foot thick glass, let alone hard enough to crack said foot thick glass. It would have drifted slowly about two feet and then just sunk to the seabed where he drowned to death. Right. Bullets bullets don't penetrate that far in water. Right. That dude thrown by a shark. A shark. But guys, it was a smart shark. Yeah, but smart sharks aren't like... But no, it was a smart shark. (laughs) Okay, so... That is literally the only explanation. It's like trying to argue with someone who just read one fact on some political page. Yeah, but this. Yeah, but it was a smart shark. Yeah, but physically that couldn't happen. But it was a smart shark. That was the justification for everything that happens in that movie. At another point, the shark is, again, chasing people through the hallways of this underwater lab. And the doctor, Jan... I think. Anyway, I don't remember what's any her name? Names of any characters in that movie? The chick. She's trying to get away from the shark and she steps up on her desk and the water is just below the top of her desk. She steps up on her desk and she strips off all her clothes because, of course, she does. Because you got it. And she's wet. So she puts her wetsuit under her feet and she she must weigh, what, 95 pounds? Oh, if that. And she's a research scientist. She's not like a gymnast or a bodybuilder or or a rock climber. She's a fucking research scientist. She weighs 90 pounds. And she reaches up behind her and yanks out the main hardline cable from its cable box, which, no, you fucking didn't. Because, again, (laughs) you weigh 90 pounds and no, you didn't. So, okay, she grabs the main hardline cable out and it's sparking or whatever. And then she holds the cable in the water and then shocks the shark. Of course she did. And then she just leaves it there, and the electricity just magically stops running through the cable. It shorted out. Circuit breaker. Right, but just through that cable. Electricity everywhere else is completely unharmed. It's a smart circuit breaker. (laughs) Yeah. I did a lot of theater. I like to read, so those those comparisons were inherent. So I read a lot about it long before comic book movies were a thing. I didn't know shit about Thor except right. he was like I was like okay he's so he's what Aquaman for the sky like I don't <laughs> what the fuck is happening here this sounds dumb because in in the four color comic book Thor he just looks stupid he does <laughs> winged helmet he just looks yes, dumb he does and they were of course so cheesy that it's just yeah I'm not into it really but when Thor was announced and they started talking about casting and stuff the first thing I really got into caring about it at all was that a whole bunch of nerds were pissed off that Idris Elba got cast as Heimdall. Yeah. And I didn't know who Heimdall was. I obviously knew who Idris Elba was. Uh, yeah. Because he's amazing. Yes, he is. <laughs> so I went to look up Possibly the, the next James Bond, who yes. I'm all for. Oh my god, it would be so incredible. It really would be. <laughs> I would be... I the, oh, That would be amazing. Okay, we'll have to talk about James Bond in a different yes. nerd love series. Um... So I went to read up about why everybody was pissed off that Idris Elba was being cast as Heimdall, and it was 
absolutely the stupidest thing I'd ever heard that people were pissed off about it. Right. Like, well, because Heimdall's white. Well, okay. Yeah, exactly. Who gives a shit? Idris Elba's not. Right. Idris Elba is also awesome. So yes. shut the fuck up. Because we've all heard that you say, bless you, or we wish you good health, or whatever the right. response is, because there was an old-timey belief that when you sneezed, either your heart stopped for a minute, or for a second, and they say that to continue your heart beating. Sure. To wish that your heart would continue beating. Or mm-hmm. because evil spirits could invade your body mm-hmm. as you were sneezing, and so they said that to, you know, Or there's the Millhouse theory, that sneezing makes your soul go out, and God bless you, crams it back in. Exactly. So that was the superstitious reason that most cultures started doing that. But I went to see what most cultures and languages said in response to a sneeze. Because we say, God bless you or bless you, and have kind of stolen Gesundheit from German. But I didn't know what anybody else said. So I, I just went to Wikipedia and looked it up about the responses to sneezing. I love this list because it is very long. It includes basically every common and some not so common languages. And every single one of them is some version of we wish you good health. Okay. It's, it is we bless you or I hope that you live 100 years or to your health or I hope it helps or for your health or cheers. Like it is something about you being healthy or well. Except one, one language. Okay. And I am going to completely butcher the pronunciation of the language, and I apologize. Uh, can I just go back to kata Don't worry about it. It is Ritharnju, I think, which is an Australian Aboriginal language. Oh, so I, I wouldn't have pegged that word for Aboriginal at all. And that's the name for the language. What they say, I'm not going to pronounce, but what right. it means is, so you sneeze, and they say to you, you have released nose water. <laughs> and the response to that, whereas we would say, thank you, they say, I am dry now. <laughs> Which I think is probably the most glorious oh, it's awesome. cultural differentiation. Because seriously, all of these are to your health, to your health. Absolutely. Bless you. Be healthy. Fast recovery. And one is to just simply health. stating the obvious. And this is, you've released nose water. It like, just came what? from your obvious Aboriginal friend. I <laughs> love it. Oh, you stubbed your toe. I love thank you. that. I'm in pain now. It's so good. That is very funny. I do think that's very cute. Yeah. Let's take a quiz. Take a quiz. Okay. I'm not going to do this pub trivia style because it doesn't lead to any conversation that way. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six sections of questions that are pretty short. And one of them is going to be a sound cue question. Oh, boy. All right. Are we ready? Everybody can play along at home and then add up your own scores. And, you know, compete against yourself to see who wins. Yes. So I will give a second before my answer so that you at home can answer and not have me spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want, we can have some discussion about it before you give sure. your final answer. Spoilers. All right. So my first section are gimmies. These are okay. like those super easy ones that everybody should know. If I fail this section, can I just you won't. negate the rest? You the... won't. You won't fail this section. Okay. All right. What race is Admiral Akbar? He is a Mon Calamari. Very good. Who was the civilian leader of the rebellion who laments the deaths of the Bothan spies? Mon Mothma. Very good. What type of creature did Luke used to use for target practice? Um. Oh, God. Womp. It's not wampas. Womp rats. Womp rats. Very good. Yeah. How do sand people move and why? How do sand people move? Move. Uh, they're nomadic. You mean move from place to place or? Yes. Obi-Wan tells it? us in the original in A New Hope. Yes. Um, they're nomads because. Oh, oh, fuck. Uh, oh, I don't remember. Um, 
Okay, I was worried I was going to suck at this quiz. Let me see. How do they move? And why? If it helps, he is telling this to Luke as to how he knows that it was stormtroopers that hit the Jawas and not sand people. Oh, yes, because they move in herds. They move. Uh, they don't move in a they move in a straight line. They ride their uh, oh, fuck what are those things called in a straight line. So as to camouflage their numbers. Is that right? Single file to hide their numbers. Single file. Yes. I'm not going to give that one to you. What was it? Single file to hide their numbers. I just said straight line to camouflage their numbers. <laughs> That's the same thing. Uh, all right. I'll be easy on you. Okay. Oh, you wanted me to get the actual line. Yeah, the line. Oh, that wasn't a, how do they do it? You meant what exactly does Obi-Wan say? How do they move and why? They move in single file to hide their numbers. Oh, I just thought you meant a general answer. Ah, sorry. <laughs> I don't have to quote Obi-Wan to do that. I just have to get it right. Okay. Next question. My mistake. Queen Amidala was manipulated into calling for a vote of no confidence against which Republic Chancellor? Terrence Stamp. <laughs> Nearly. I do not remember his character's name. Oh, yes, I do. Chancellor Valorum. Very good. Who was Count Dooku's former Jedi Master? Darth Sidious, right? No. No, that's his current master. Darth Plagueis? Jedi Master. Oh, Jedi Master. Yoda. Very good. And a possible four answers. Name the Darths we see on screen. Okay. Vader, Maul, Sidious, and uh, and uh, Dooku. Count Dooku, who was Darth... Um... Oh, fuck. Darth... Ugh, Darth bad guy. Mm -hmm. He was Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> but they they give you his Darth they name do. at one point. They absolutely do. In Revenge of the Sith. And it's not Darth Dooku. Nope. Although I wish it was. Darth Count Dooku. <laughs> yes, Darth Count Dooku. Darth Christopher Lee. Darth former Dracula. Yeah. Does that count? Nope. I know he's Darth. Yep. Darth Tyrannus. Very That's what it was. good. When I was going through that myself, it was the only one that didn't come to me immediately, much like it didn't for you or anybody else I asked. But we were like, Darth Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just had the exact same series of jokes that you and I just did? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, although I will say that a long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, but right here, there was because we had Darth Sidious and Darth Vader. Right. I don't remember where this theory came from, but there was a theory that Darth names were some word that followed the prefix in, like invader, insidious. Oh. Which obviously it's not now. I mean, like we know. No, that's, in Tyrannus. <laughs> yeah, that's totally not true. But I spent probably half an hour last night coming up with a couple of friends of mine, different Darth <laughs> names, if that were Darth actually the naming convention. So it was like, uh, the he's the Darth who's just kind of lazy, Darth active. <laughs> uh, the one Darth, Darth doors. He doesn't like to go outside exactly, much. Exactly. And there was uh, the Darth who is actually several different smaller Darths all stacked within one another, like a Petroika doll, Darth Deception. <laughs> and so we went through. I would say Darth Deception is the Darth who's a huge Christopher Nolan fan. There you go. There you go. So that's actually a fun game you can play at home. That is fun. Your friends is come up with different Darth names if the naming convention is the rest of the I work. Think I might pull in. that from this and use it on the next bearded ones. You actually. absolutely should. It can come up. You can come up with really good different ones for what those Darths do and why their name is their name. And it's always funny to me that Palpatine purposefully mispronounces Tyrannus. I guess at that point they were like, we're really showing our hands here. If we mispronounce it slightly, people won't go, oh, it's just yet another evil name. Right. He goes, Tyrannus. Saurus <laughs> Rex. Tyrannus? Yeah, seriously. Darth Tyrannus Saurus Rex. Yeah. Count Dooku. Got Darth it. Darth 
Jurassic Park. Okay, so you got 10 of 10 possible on the gimme round. Good for you. Round number two, I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh boy. Obi-Wan has a bad feeling about the meeting he and Qui-Gon have with which Trade Federation official? Oh, it's the most racist one. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Shooter or something. Which is not the answer, though it is correct. I know. I don't remember his name. Uh, I know I know it. I've heard it before. I've used it before. Yep. I simply do not remember it. You will kick Uh, yourself. I know I will. Well, let me think, because I just watched it fucking last night, but they didn't feature him much at all, thankfully. Um, Although I like the fact that those aliens were practical. Sure. I did like that about them. Ugh, I know this. Palpatine does say his name in Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith because he tells Anakin to go kill them all, including this guy, who it's sad he is in all three movies. Ah, fuck it. I can't remember. What's his name? Newt Gunray. Newt Gunray, of course. Yep. All right. Obi-Wan again has a bad feeling, but this time it's when he and Anakin approach the Invisible Hand, the flagship of which bad guy? General Grievous? Very good. Thank you. Who has the first bad feeling that we see in release order? Oh, in release order. Yes, not the first chronologically, but the first one that we ever see. Who is it? Han Solo. No, it is in fact Luke. In what reference? It's when they first see the Death Star, right? I got a bad feeling about this. Yes, the very first I have a bad feeling about this is when the Millennium Falcon approaches the Death Star. But but Luke I just the put one who says it. Luke's words in Han's mouth. Yeah. Okay. Han does say it shortly thereafter when they're in right. the trash compactor. Right. But the first one was Luke. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. Only one droid ever has a bad feeling. Which droid was it? C-3PO. Very good. Do you remember when? It was in Empire and it was in Cloud City, right? No, both of those answers are wrong. <laughs> Fuck. What was it? Uh, it is when he gets into Jabba the Hutt's palace in Return of the Jedi. Oh, of as course. As the Gamorreans take them away. Of course. All right. And finally, Han Solo has the original trilogy's final bad feeling. What was about to happen to him which caused him to worry? They were in the Tiberian shuttle going to the forest moon of Endor, and they were worried that their passcode wasn't going to be accepted. No. Damn. No one has a were bad feeling. Were they on the forest moon of Endor? <laughs> they were on the forest moon of Endor. Got a bad feeling about this forest moon of Endor. Well, I already got it wrong. So what exact what exact moment does it happen? The Ewoks were about to cook and eat him. Oh, well, that's probably the dumbest use of that phrase ever. <laughs> Why would you say I've got a bad feeling about this when it's obvious they're about to kill you and eat you? Yeah, I don't know. But he certainly does say that. <laughs> All right. All right. So you got two out of five on Ugh, I've got a I bad feeling bad. about this. And here is the round by the numbers. In A New Hope, Luke is addressed by two call signs. What were they? Possible two points. Two call signs? Call signs. Define call signs. Like Rogue Leader would be a call sign. Oh, okay. He's, let's see, he's Red 5 standing okay. by, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, well, they wouldn't call him the, a different thing in the X-Wing, would they? Is he still in the X-Wing? No. When he gets the second call name? No. Okay, I didn't think so. That would be dumb. And technically, to give you a hint, Red 5 is the second one that he is called. Okay. Red 5 standing by. Was this, this was in episode four. Both call signs were in Correct. episode four. Oh, why? Why would he have two different call signs? He never flew a different ship. I don't know. What's what's the other one? TK421. Oh, no, I would have never gotten that. No? No, I don't remember that at all. TK421, why aren't you at your post? Oh, 
Okay. That is Luke in the Stormtrooper outfit in the Falcon yes. after they See, take I didn't it over. I wasn't associating him with being in the Stormtrooper suit. Okay. Yep. That's a tough one. All right. Second one. This one you you may not get. So <laughs> well, my track record ain't great so far past just the Just so you're aware. Thing. It's actually one of the tougher questions I have on here. Okay. Two of the bounty hunters hired by Darth Vader were droids. Yes. What were their designations? Wasn't one of them like IG? Well, their designations or their names? Well, I mean, they're droids. They're, Technically, they're those the are thing. the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm drawing a complete blank. Well, you're you're half right on the first one already. I want to say I, IG-388, but I'm getting that confused with B-88, I think. But I'll just say IG-388. So close. It is IG-88. Oh, it's just 88? Fuck. Yep, is one of them. Okay. And the other? And and I am D-R-O-I-D. <laughs> For Lom. Uh, yep, didn't know that. Yeah, that was a tough one, and I, I knew that going in. All right. Altogether, the Jedi Council plus every person called Darth on screen totals how many powerful Force users? Oof. On screen at one time, or you're talking about through the just, all six just ever. Anybody that we oh ever see called Darth plus the Jedi Council in total. Okay. Obviously, there's Luke, Yoda, Obi-Wan, Mace Windu, Qui-Gon. Uh, Luke is not a member of the Jedi Council. Oh, you mean specifically Jedi Council, not just anyone that has control of the Force? Yes, the Jedi Council okay. plus the Darths. Okay. I'm going to say 30. 30. That is my final answer. No, it is 16. There are 12 on the Jedi Council and four Darths. There just seem like so many more Jedi in the in the arena. Oh, but there's only ah only the ones on the Council. Right. Yep. Gotcha. In how many movies does someone not lose a hand or arm? This does not include people who lose all of their body parts. Right. Well, it happens in every one of the original trilogy, because in the first one, it's a dude in the in Mos Eisley, and the second one, it's Luke, and the third one, it's Vader, which is weird because Vader technically counts twice for this. In Phantom Menace, no one loses a hand or an arm, although Darth Maul gets cut in half. In Attack of the Clones, Anakin loses his hand, and in Revenge of the Sith, Mace Windu loses his hand. So I'm going to say of all, there's only one where no one loses a hand or an arm. Well done. It is, in fact, episode one. Thank you. Because Darth Maul totally doesn't count. He loses his everything. Yeah. How many Imperial officers does Darth Vader force choke on screen? Well, there's the guy in the New Hope, but he doesn't choke him to death. We're not talking about the death, are we? Just has force force strangulation going on. And it has to be a high-ranking Imperial officer. Imperial officer. Just officer. Okay. I mean, technically, that is high-ranking. So the guy in the New Hope, and there's Captain Nita and Admiral Piet in Empire. So does he do it to anyone in Jedi? I don't think he does. I'm going to say three. You have the number correct. Yay! All right. Bonus questions in addition to the by the numbers round. Yay. As quickly as you can, name by name as many of the people who lose a hand or arm as you can. Uh, well, I don't know the name of the guy in Mos Eisley, but there's Anakin. Then again, is Darth Vader, Mace Windu, uh, Luke. And I think that's it. I just don't know the name of the guy in Mos Eisley. Uh, no, that is definitely not it. But um, Anakin and Vader, I'm only counting once because they're the same right. person. Um, there are actually, if you include C-3PO, there are nine. Oh, okay. So C-3PO nine. loses yeah, loses his arm to the sand people when they're out looking for R2. Okay. He also loses the rest of him when he's blown apart by a stormtrooper, but that doesn't count. Right. <laughs> uh, Luke, obviously, the Wampa on Hoth. Oh, Luke cuts his arm off. creatures. The dude in the Mos Eisley Cantina is Pondo Baba. Okay. Sorry, Ponda Baba. And he actually, because it's always bugged me that he gets his arm cut off and there's blood. And we talked about this mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I learned something that uh, canonically he is of the race Aqualin and Aqualin's blood does not coagulate 
or oh. and or and their flesh is not cauterized when sliced by a okay. lightsaber. Honestly, I'm glad we know that. Did George Lucas know that? When he no, that I'm sure that he did not. Time? I'm absolutely certain he didn't. Uh, Mace Windu, you were correct. General Grievous does lose two, actually, at the same time. Yeah. But has six, or whatever, so. Right. Uh, Count Dooku loses a hand, and the would-be assassin of Amidala, Zam Wessel, loses her hand. Okay. So you got three. That's right, yeah. A lot uh, of hands lost in these movies. Yes, it is a thing. And the other bonus question. Which Imperial officer is choked to death to earn Piet his promotion after the Battle of Hoth? Nita. Incorrect. No, no. Captain Nita was the other guy after. The, oh, fuck. Who was it? Admiral Ozzel. Oh, Ozzel. Right. Okay. Okay. Next is going to be the uh, the sound round. How'd I do on that one? Not very well. On the bonus round, you got a three of ten. <laughs> Ugh. Possible. Sound number one. Sound number one. <laughs> That's pod race. That's the Bulba's pod. Is that what you want me to hear out of that? Well, it's pod racers. Is the right answer just the pod race? Pod racers, yeah. Okay, cool. Good job. Thank you. That was one of the best things about Phantom Menace. Oh, absolutely. The and the pod and race. certainly one of the most recognizable sounds. Especially with that, that pod race video game we used to have. Yeah. Was that in 64? Yep, I still do and played it last week, actually. That was actually pretty fucking fun. Yeah. All right, sound number two. That is the sound of the Death Star right before they fire their main laser. No. No? Nope. What is it? That is the tractor beam generator being disabled by Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Oh, fuck. Ugh. But I know why you think that. Like, it's... Yeah, there's there's a, just a small thing, like right when they're getting ready to power up the laser for the Death Star, that kind of sounds like that. All right, sound okay. number three. Sound number three. <laughs> Okay, obviously those are lasers. Um, let me listen to it again. Is that Han shooting at the droid on Hoth? No. It was a good guess, though. Because there's nothing else like you'd expect anytime you hear a laser in Star Wars for it to be accompanied by a bunch of others. That is, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. That's one of those ahead. rare times when it's like probably the most subdued laser battle in all of the movies because he's just shooting at that one probe droid. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you from your first answer because it was turbo lasers from a Star Destroyer. Oh. But, I mean, you got lasers. You got that. Okay. Right, so I'll go ahead and give that to you. <laughs> oh, don't give me that. Anybody would have said lasers. You don't want it? You don't want the point? I don't know. I want to earn it. Like, <laughs> okay. I want to be pure. Fair enough. Sound number four. Sound number four. I know this sound. It is from the original trilogy. God, I really should have sat down to watch all these again before we did this. <laughs> um, it's such a familiar sound. Yep. Uh, is it in? Is it in? Is it in Empire? It is. And it is. Oh, it's the carbonite freezing chamber. Very good. Thank you. I knew. I knew that sound. I was like, I can't fucking get this one wrong. Sound number five. Sound number five. Tie fighter. Well done. That was pretty easy. Oh, that's it? I that's was it. expecting something else. Tie fighter. Like, okay, they're tie fighters. Yeah, great. Sound number six. 
Sound number six. Oh, uh, that's the mouse droid on the Death Star. Well done. I always call him the Roomba droid. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what he is. Yeah. Does he have an official name? Uh, yeah, he is the mouse droid. His, he's like a MSC that's what I thought. 4 or something like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. What is his purpose? He's a janitor he droid. Yeah. Oh. Well, he's cute. a Roomba. He's adorable. He is a Roomba. Okay. Uh, okay, sound number seven. Oh, I've already guessed this before, haven't I? Yes. This is Han Solo shooting at the probe droid on Han. No, not even close. It's not? No. What the fuck was it then? Listen to it again. Okay, let's try it again. Oh, is that the Death Star exploding? It is no. I gave you a hint in that you had already guessed it. Yeah, I know. And I can't remember anything I've said up until this point. It is the Death Star super laser firing on Alderaan. Oh, yes. Okay. It's that last, like, yeah. thing that kind of got me. All right. Sound number eight. Sound number eight. Oh boy, this is tough. You earlier you mentioned that it oh, was the sonic uh the sonic charges. Yes. They're technically seismic charges, but I know exactly what you mean. They yes. seismic or do they say sonic? I thought, they're I seismic. thought they were sonic. Seismic charges. Oh, okay. But yes, are those we... are Django Fett's seismic charges from Slave One. Yes. Which again, awesome fucking noise. Yeah, definitely. Are we at Number nine? nine? That's Tauntaun. It is a Tauntaun. Very good. (laughs) That's the best part of their entire, because it almost sounds like they're trying to say something. Yep. I love that one. All right. Sound number 10. All right. And this is it. I've I've done better on the sound so far than I did on the the other two sections. And this is it. (laughs) A salacious crumb. Well done. Slacius Crumb from Return of the Jedi. Very Jabba's well little bitch, who is one of my unanswered questions in the entire Star Wars trilogy. What the fuck happens to him afterward? Does he blow up in the barge? Does he go off and start his own life? I want to see a Salacious Crumb standalone movie. Do you? And it doesn't even have to have like a bunch of action in it. It can just be him chilling out for an hour and a half. Laughing at other people being dicks to people. Yeah. Okay. He could do that or we could watch him watch TV or get something to eat, you know? Okay. All right, two rounds left. There are two rounds left. Okay. All right, ready? Yes. Here's my random round, just random knowledge. Before escaping to Tatooine in the opening of A New Hope, C-3PO worries to R2-D2 that they will be sent to the spice mines of which planet? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. I don't remember. What is it? It is Kessel. Kessel, yes. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, when I think Kessel, I think the Kessel Run. Yes, well, that's, they did the Kessel Run to get the spice off of Kessel. To get the spices because Han Solo smuggled spices. That's right. Ugh. Okay. Admiral Akbar isn't the first to note something as a trap. Who else warns against an ambush earlier in the series? Hmm. I can't think of those words put together without thinking of Akbar, but I know someone else says it. Well, I'm in a new hope when they escape the Death Star. No, I mean, oh, fuck. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, when the doors open and Darth Vader's waiting for them. No. Oh, Leia calling out to Luke. Well done. Yes. It's a trap. Yes. Very good. 
Obi-Wan uses his Jedi mind trick to convince an entrepreneur to abandon his business enterprise. What did he get yes. the man to stop selling? Death sticks. Well done. Because I just watched that last night. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, do you know who that person is? What do you mean? Do you know the actor? Mm, not off the top of my head. He's Mouse from the first Matrix. Oh, cool. Indeed. And in yes, fact, indeed. the woman in red is also in that scene. Is she? Yeah. When they first walk into the bar, there's a blonde-headed woman that kind of oh, checks out Anakin. Indeed. And she's the lady in red that Mouse creates indeed. from the Matrix. So we can just pretend the prequels never happened. They were a system run by, by the... Mouse before yep. he died in the Matrix. Absolutely. Because that's what he wanted Star Wars to be. Which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Darth Maul only blinks once in all of the Phantom Menace. Mm. What causes him to blink? Um... Obi-Wan sensing the force and grabbing his lightsaber. No, though that was my answer too. What was it? It was actually being bisected by Obi-Wan's lightsaber. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, makes perfect sense. You would totally blink when you are cut in half. I mean, because he does give him that, huh, face right before he does it. Yeah, but I also thought I remembered him blinking in surprise when Obi-Wan jumps out of the pit and his lightsaber flies yeah. to his hand. But no, nope, yeah. it is actually when he is cut in half. Okay, cool. Who is Luke's step-grandfather? Step-grandfather. Well, he's being taken care of by Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. And it was that guy I talked about earlier in Attack of the Clones that fucking didn't care enough about his wife to look for her. Correct. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Do you remember his last name? Well, Skywalker, right? No, that was Shmi's last name. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, I don't, actually. Luke's step-grandfather is Kleeg Lars. Lars, yes! Oh, fuck! Owen Lars. Ah. <laughs> All right. The last one I kind of stole from the Geeks Who Drink. They did this pretty cool little format, so I'm going to do it too. Okay. Uh, this is Star Wars in 140 characters. These are going to be tweets. So okay. you have to tell me which character would have tweeted this. Okay. Ready? Yes. At General Kenobi. Of course I'll take the girl and raise her as my own. What's the worst that could happen? That would be uh, Jimmy Smith's. Yes, which was also my first answer. <laughs> Mr. Organa. Um, Bale. Is it Bale? It, it was. First name? Bale Organa. Very good. Bale Organa, yeah. Christian Bale Organa. Yes, him. All right, next one. Went to Mos Eisley to collect bounty. I got shot first. Didn't even get a chance to shoot. Don't know why I felt the need to clarify. <laughs> Greedo. Very good. All right. Illegal flamethrower? Check. Wrenches to throw? Check. Boone to Eve classic in the bag. Hashtag Doug Life. <laughs> Boba Fett. I'm sorry, who? Django Fett. I'm sorry, who? Boba Fett. Uh, or Sebulba. Oh, as soon as I, as soon as I thought flamethrower, I thought Boba Fett. <laughs> sorry, nope. Yeah. Okay, number four. Yes. Makeup perfect, hair on point, outfit slamming. Still can't believe these Jedi are buying this though. Hashtag sister skills. Padme? Or, oh, no, still can't believe these Jedi are buying it. That would be her fucking double from episode one. Ooh, I can't remember her name. You are Am correct, I right? though. Yes. Okay. Her name is Sabe, mm. played by Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. <laughs> and now that you mention it, I can see a similarity between the two. Yeah, apparently several people had trouble telling them apart on set. Cool. And finally, this is the last question of the whole quiz. It was the middle of the night. Plus, I really didn't think he was a Jedi. What did you expect? Hashtag weak-minded my albino headtails. <laughs> it was the middle of the night. I really weak-minded my albino headtails. I thought I knew what the answer was until you said my albino headtails. What did you think the answer was? You know, maybe it's just because I had this fantasy of Padme and Anakin fucking in the middle of the night when they were like off being shittily romantic. No. 
I know that. That's why I didn't actually say Padme. I'm only <laughs> answering your question. <laughs> Albino head tails. Fuck. Can you read it again? Sure. It was the middle of the night. Plus, I really didn't think he was a Jedi. Oh, what did you expect? Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Well done. All right. So you got four out of five on the 140 characters. Yeah. As on a total. Hold on. I got to total this all up for you. The last two rounds, I think, saved me if I even did okay in this. All right. Your total out of 50 is 31. 31 points. Okay. That's. I wish I would have done better, but I'll take it. It's, it's not more terrible than half. at all. Not terrible It's like at all. a solid like C plus, maybe B minus. Yeah. And some of those were bonus questions anyway. So. Yeah. So very well done. Congratulations Thank on your you. Star Wars quiz. I had the hugest crush on Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. Yes. That was in the year we had cable. So we had Nickelodeon. And oh, I my God. And I worshipping Danger Mouse. So much so that this was in the days where we could not record television. Obviously, this is way before any sort of DVR equipment. I recorded an episode of Danger Mouse on audio tape by just putting up my jam box next to the TV Yep. during an episode so I could just listen to it whenever I wanted and recall the visual images. It was an episode where they were going into a haunted house, and I remember vampires singing. Okay. But yeah, I used to play Danger Mouse on the playground at, at elementary school. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So good. It was so good. And I had the hugest crush on him. Like He, he was, was pretty awesome. He was In a fact, British spy. He was so cool. I think they finally brought Danger Mouse to Netflix. I will have to go back and watch them. You need to. I think they'll hold up because of the sensibility. They also did a really interesting reboot of Mighty Mouse in the 80s from Bakshi Animation, which was very funny. Is that, uh, is that the Mighty Mouse that I would have watched when I was a kid? Yes. Then I loved that show. It was very satirical. In fact, I remember an episode. The only episode I clearly remember because I remember just being so funny is the one where William Shatner's wig was terrorizing downtown Hollywood, California. <laughs> In Two Gentlemen of Verona, when the dude that was playing the Duke in Two Gentlemen of Verona. Yes. It was very clear that he'd messed up because he stopped for a moment, looked out at the audience and said, line. Yes. Then looked back at his co-actor and said, shit. Yes. And that same gentleman <laughs> uh, in a scene with me was uh, playing the Duke who was trying to catch my character having sex with his daughter. So he comes up with this whole plan where he's going to ask me for advice because he has a similar situation in his life. And then my character, who in that show is an idiot, yeah, tells him how he's basically been stooping the Duke's daughter and how he should go about stooping the woman that he wants to stoop. And this guy somehow managed to, if you were paying attention, and no one was because... It was a bunch of college students who were just going to be there for the first half anyway so they could get their program for credit that they were there. Uh, but if you were paying attention, he screwed up the line just enough to where it sounded like he wanted to have sex with his own daughter. Right. And then I had to ad-lib to get us out of this because he froze and then sweat started pouring down his forehead. So <laughs> in my genius in the moment, I said, and I quote, Well, my lord, it sounds like, no, what me thinks you would like to love a lady. Who is not your daughter. <laughs> who is very clearly not your kin. Yes, did not come forth from thine loins. And yes, in the moment, it was terrifying and horrifying. Because I saw his his pupils, like, dilate. Oh, yeah. You know, I saw, like, him in complete shock. And sweat beads pouring down his forehead. And I was like, oh, no. Well, ad-libbing Shakespeare is... Oh, I didn't do it well. <laughs> so, what we decided to do is we decided to have yet another... Awesome crossover with Teddy and the Bassman, except 
In this podcast, we're going to be crossing games over. Hell yeah. So let's go ahead and introduce them. Teddy and the Baseman, thank you guys so much for being here once again. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. And you've moved from the steampunk library to the geek punk duplex. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know the game that you have brought for us, so you're going to have to do some splaining. Okay. So in the spirit of the Lucky 10,000... I brought a game that not everyone's heard of, unlike Cards Against Humanity. It's called Wise and Otherwise. Wise and Otherwise, love it. It's a little bit like Balderdash. However, instead of picking a word or phrase or whatever, it's the beginning of an old saying. And you have to come up with the end of the old saying. Excellent. And then everyone has to vote to see who they think wrote the actual end of the old saying. Love it. Oh my god. Just as an example. I'm in trouble. We'll do just a real quick one. There's an old West African saying, one lump of dough, and then we would all have to fill out our little pieces of paper to okay. see what we think it would be. And in this example, the actual answer is, whitens the whole river. Okay. But we don't know that when we're filling it out. Yeah, so I have rules, never heard that expression before. Yeah. Yeah. And you've never heard pretty much any of these before ever. Excellent. My answer for that one would have been um, one lump of, what was it? One lump dough. of dough. One lump of dough. Hopefully won't be president. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we would have voted on that as the right answer, but oh. it's a good one nonetheless. Oh. So, so this isn't about being silly. This is trying to sound trying right. As close as we can to get Yes. Oh. oh, I got you. Oh, okay. I thought it was who would make up the best answer. It's who, I, who gets the closest. Who we think actually came up with the right one. So whoever reads the card right. knows the right answer. Gotcha. Right. They will also write down the right answer as if they had come up with it. And mix up all the answers to read them. Right. So can the I, votes are for who got the right answer. Can I submit like a mini game within the game? What's that? Who is going to say fuck it the earliest and just go silly every single time? <laughs> How about we try to make it yes. as... Right. Hey, I'm possible. not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying we should take bets on how long it'll take before <laughs> someone does. I think we can make it through the whole game. I'm not so sure. <laughs> There's an old Irish saying. Oh, well, already. You can't pluck dot dot dot. There's an old Irish saying. Ah, Irish. You can't pluck a cooked goose. Ooh. You can't pluck a live goose. Mm. You can't pluck a frog. <laughs> You can't pluck a chicken, but you can fuck an egg. Miss <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. 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 Teddy. Oh, fiddle-dee-dee potato. I think I might be more tempted by that one if it was you can fuck a potato. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn it! I mean, oh, no, I don't I totally think that's the right answer. <laughs> uh, must go to the grocery store soon. I think I like the one about you can't pluck a live goose. That, live that goose. sounds a very mm. Irish observation to me. Because you're too drunk to chase the goose that's yeah. clearly going to exactly. run away. All right, I'm with yeah. you. And he's going to be a bit peeved at you if you try to pluck him. <laughs> Probably. Man. I like the Irish. I like their sense of humor. And I would like to think it's pluck a frog, but I think it's pluck a cooked goose. Cooked goose. I'm okay. going right with that, pluck a cooked goose. Cooked that sounds goose. more like sort of a, a life lesson. You know, yes. if you screw up already, then you can't correct it, you know. Good. Fair point. Okay. Uh, well, you were all wrong. Oh. You can't pluck a frog. 
Jeez. It is a frog. <laughs> Good job, Teddy. Thank you very for much. your double answer. Oh Thank man, you got voted on. I used and to the, really like the Irish. The live goose was, of course, Trevor's. Yours was like Mama's cooked goose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Great minds Great again. Minds. I yeah. know. There you go. All right, nicely done. Oh, next it's round. My turn. How exciting. <laughs> to eat the frog. What, what's that? Yeah, yeah. What yeah I, well, uh, mean, you can't pluck a frog. No, no. It's just one of those lost observations. Thank you for explaining it, Grizzle. Well, you can't pluck a frog. I probably should have prefaced. Yeah. this our favorite one that we found in here was there's an old chinese saying when there are tigers on the hill and of course we tried to go very crouching tiger hidden dragon right. the leopard will yeah. chase the goose or yeah. the fog will rise in the valley <laughs> we're real super poetic mm-hmm. the actual answer was when there are tigers on the hill don't go there <laughs> oh. Ooh, okay there's an old english saying a man of courage that's it that's it. All right. Man of courage. Maybe we could do like lightning rounds. Gee, I wonder which one Evans will be. Just wait for Tolstoy over here. To uh-huh. All right. And they call me <clears throat> verbose. Is that what they call you? Among other things. <laughs> There's an old English saying, a man of courage died on Mount Everest and is known as red shoes to the climbers who pass. His name was Steve. A man of courage laughs at cowardice. Mm. A man of courage never fears the fall. Mm. A man of courage never wants weapons. Oh my gosh. Wow, wow, wow. Honestly, this might be the best round we've had. Minus one, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Never fears the fall. Never. What was the very, so very last one? Ne- uh, never needs a weapon or something like never that? Never wants weapons, never fears the fall, laughs at cowardice. Knowing the Brits as I do, I would say a man of courage never fears the fall. I'm going to say laughs at cowardice. I was leaning toward, I was leaning toward one, but I, I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Teddy. Never fears the fall. Never that just sounds fall. English. <laughs> I'm glad it sounds right because it was mine. Oh, oh you <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, he's he's kind of rocking this game, you guys. I, I'm telling you. Uh, the correct it? answer was never wants weapons. Ah, oh, that was oh. the one I was leaning towards. I, I thought about that one myself and I thought, oh, that does. Just ask the police force in Britain. <laughs> That's yes. true. That is very good point. Mine was uh, laughs at cowardice. Oh, well, there you go. I was a good, they were all very good. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, I have two little games. One comes in three parts, so I'm going to call it One Word Go. Okay, cool. So the first question is, the last text or instant message that you sent is the only thing you can say for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. What is it? The last one that you sent, not received. Correct. The last thing you sent, not received. Okay, hang on a second. Let me look. Quick question. Can you choose text or instant message, or does it have to be the last message on either format that you sent? Uh, Choose which one you would use. Both of mine are equally as banal. Okay. So for me, it's going to be either a thanks, man, or a... Well, this one's a little bit more specific. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. (laughs) (laughs) This is very specific. That would be a really weird thing to have to say for the rest of your life. Hey, Evan, how's it going? You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. (laughs) Mine's going to be a little more dismissive. Mine is, see you soon. And that was to me. Yeah, so it's that kind of, hey, how you doing? See you soon. Trevor, it's been years. How you doing? See you soon. See you soon. <laughs> no, no, but I'm talking to you now. <laughs> right. Yeah, see, you, see you soon is going to be my answer, and it's somewhat final. 
Yes. Very. Well, although final and yet somehow not final. <laughs> yeah. A little <laughs> ominously <laughs> unfinal. A little bit, yeah. Like if you're running a shop or something and someone's buying something from you, it's like, thanks for my change. See you soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't have a smartphone and I'm such a Luddite. And the last thing that I texted was a friend of mine on the Facebook. And I said to her, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Good night, darling. Thank you for being you. Love you to bits. I would think that the last sentence would be the qualifying Love you to bits. Love Love you to to bits. bits. That would be a a very positive thing you would have to say forever. I I could live with that. After we establish everyone's thing, because you've got one, I'm sure. I do. We should try and have a conversation using just (laughs) the Uh, Mine is, I love you. Nice. See, see, the girls have got it sussed out. Okay, so we this is the scene. We're having a party. Oh, are you picking the one about the food or the thanks, man? Oh, yeah, man? Uh, no, one about <laughs> the food. <laughs> I'm going to have to look back at it again, okay. though. So let's just say that we are meeting for lunch, and we all okay. sit down at the table together. I love you. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. Love you to bits. See you soon. I, I love you. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. <laughs> no, no, no. See you soon. I love you to bits. You, you don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. I love you. You don't have to. <laughs> We're fine to wait for food. I'll see you soon. <laughs> love you to bits. You don't have to. We're fine to wait for food. I love you. I'll see you soon. Would you guys like to order? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> We're fine to wait for food. <laughs> so I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. And there you have it, ending with a great clip from both of the crossovers we did with fellow podcast on the Beard of Pods Network, Teddy and the Bass Fan. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this. We hope you are looking forward to the new Lucky 10,000. Again, I want to thank Carissa. I want to thank Stitcher. I want to thank Podbean. I want to thank the Tangent Bound Network for having us on at any point. I'm not sure if we're still on there because, like I say, we haven't had a new episode in over a year. I want to thank all the guests we've had, all the people, some of which you heard on this episode that came on that were awesome and helped us out. I also want to thank anyone that took the time to listen. But, um, you know, it was... Uh, it's it's a little sad that Chris is no longer with us, but um, she is always here in spirit. We have her blessing. She made the new theme song, so we hope you enjoy that one for the new show. And it also doesn't mean that she can't come on an episode or two at some point. We've already talked about it. It's a possibility, so that would be fun, too. Um, for now, I hope you got lucky tonight. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com. Because EA sucks donkey balls.